Hello, folks. Welcome to Opposing the Matrix. <clears throat> I meant to do this show last night. It's just that I got way too tired to do it. And there goes the hat again, being off kilter. Good. It's good enough, right? Um, okay, here we go. So, yeah, last night I was going to do this show. And, um, man, for some reason I was just really tired. And I, I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like doing a show tonight. So I didn't do it. And it wasn't scheduled anyway, so I'm, you know, I'm not really worried about that, about having let anybody down, that is. So uh, tonight we're going to look at something that uh, you're going to find alarming. And boy, you know, I, I was watching a video last night, and it was by this redheaded guy who talked about five of his uh, family members going into um, the hospital and not being allowed to come out, even though they, well, it, it was a long story, but they... Um, the hospital basically killed him, and according to this guy anyway, and he said that, you know, the first thing they would do is when a person complained, they would take away their phone, then they would sedate them, and nobody was allowed to come in and see them. So it was, um, you know, and then all of a sudden they die, you know. And, uh, and these are people that went in and did not have the, uh, I don't know if they had the vaccine or not, to tell you the truth. But uh, they just felt a little off, a little off kilter, and they went in and uh, never came out of the hospital. And uh, and tonight we're going to describe or, or investigate why that may be, uh, because the hospitals do benefit when they lose a patient to COVID. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would never thought that I would think, <laughs> I never thought that I would even be able to conceive such a thing happening in the United States of America. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening now that I wouldn't have conceived or believed. Uh, just last night up in Portland, um, surprise, surprise, a uh, bunch of anarchists, uh, they call them anarchists now, they don't call them by their name, you know, and uh, a bunch of anarchists caused a half a million dollars in damage when they were riding in the streets. Like, you know, back in the good old days, they would have been hauled away and anybody that resisted probably would have been mowed down. And I think that's what it's going to take. And oh, look at that. I've got the 13th of October on there. Oh, well, it's the 14th. If anybody cares, it's actually um, probably about 20 after 11. So it was about quarter after 11 when I started the show. And it was on the 14th of October, uh, getting ever closer to the move day when we move out of here. And I'm, you know, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to moving out because we're going to move into a, probably a nicer place. But um, <clears throat> one of the things I'm going to miss, <clears throat> man, oh, man, one of the things I'm going to miss is um, we find some neat stuff in the backyard. Um, probably about an hour up the freeway, maybe an hour and a half, there's a big volcanic field where you could find tons of obsidian, lava, and everything else just laying there begging to be taken home. <laughs> um now, I haven't taken anything from there, and frankly, I think it might be illegal. I'm not sure, but um, it's possible some of the people that lived here before me, uh, a.k.a. the uh, original owners, well, the second family to probably moved in. I think the original owners um, were long gone when these people moved in. But anyway, uh, I think they probably went up there and got some stuff. But in our backyard and in the, in the rivers around here, you find agates like there's no tomorrow. And so, you know, I was tooling around the backyard the whole time we've lived here. And I found some very interesting, and I just wanted to show you a couple of them. 
And this one here, look, it just looks like a regular rock. Okay. Until you put it on a, and I don't know how to show this to you, but it's, um, it's a yellow agate or I say, I should say an amber and the light is way too bright. Maybe I could lower it down a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's a little better. So you can see that the light shines right through it. Pretty neat, huh? Right in my backyard. And, uh, this one is a fine, I don't think I've showed this. Uh, if you just look at it regular, that's what it looks like. And it's pretty neat that way, but put a flashlight under it and man, oh man, it just illuminates it way too much. That's weird. I was looking at this earlier and it didn't show that, but uh, you can actually see the bands. Maybe if I do it this way, no, it doesn't do it either. That's weird. Earlier I did it. It turned out just fine. Oh, well, you can see the bands in it when I do this, right? Boy, I tell you, this thing, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror trying to do stuff. You know, it's uh, even in a mirror when you go like this, you know, right over here. This isn't over here. It's over here in the mirror. But anyway, so it's got me all turned around cattywacus, but uh and other finds, you know, we, we have a lot of obsidian around here. Um, that's some of that. It's, um, it polishes up really nice when you, this is just a regular break. But if you polish it up, it looks even nicer. And people make jewelry out of that. And here's another um, slice of it that's got actually banding in it. Black, black and red banding. So anyway, um, I was tooling around the backyard today, um, getting everything that I've saved over the last uh, the last uh, few years that I've lived here. My goodness, there, that's a little better. Oh, now I look like um, here. Okay, well I tell you, uh, it's fun trying to get everything done on this thing. Anyway, <clears throat> so. Um, what I'm going to show you guys tonight and what we're going to look at is kind of disturbing in, in many ways. Used to be that when you got sick, you could count on going to the hospital and count on getting good care. And, you know, frankly, until COVID came up, um, that's what happened. Got pretty good care. I'll tell you. Anyway, <clears throat> Then COVID came up and then, uh, I don't know, it's, especially if you don't want to get the vaccine, it's like, they, it's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to treat you like garbage now. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> I, I've noticed that. And also I've noticed that since I've turned 62, things have changed a lot too. It's like before you hit 62 and retired, it's like, oh, well, yeah, we're going to take care of you. We're going to keep you in good health. Now it's like, hey, you're old, you know, suck it up. And uh, I don't know. This just makes life real interesting, I shall say. Um, it looks like it's going to be a night of a lot of ums, okay, just to warn you ahead of time. <clears throat> so, like I said, we're getting ready to move. And um, there may be maybe a week where we won't be on uh, for Pose the Matrix. And I could be wrong about that. 
Um, just that we're going, the only, only way you can get internet is, um, is Wi-Fi internet. And we're going to have to get that through Verizon and get that all set up and everything. So <clears throat> it's, it might take a little bit, a little while to, to get things up and running. So, uh, just to let you know, <clears throat> but once we are up and running, um, the plan is, um, my, my daughter and her, and her husband, uh, my, my son-in-law, real nice guy, uh, <clears throat> they bought a house and, uh, the house has a really big garage. It's just like, I think it's almost 900 square feet. And the plan is for us to convert that into an apartment and to, to live in it until, you know, we both, <laughs> we both die. Um, and, or maybe go up into rapture. That would be really nice too. <clears throat> but if you believe like my wife is a pre-trib and I'm a mid-trib. So, uh, and I know the Lord's not willing to split the difference. So, uh, one of us is right and one of us is wrong, but that doesn't really matter. We're going anyway. It's just a matter of timing. <clears throat> wow. I, um, I caught a bug a couple of weeks ago and man, it's been really hard to get rid of it. I feel that <clears throat> like stuff down there. Anyway. Yeah. I hope you weren't eating anything when I said that. Uh, I know that a lot of people get grossed out about stuff like that. Being a nurse, you know, we just, yeah. That's, that's kind of mild of some of the stuff we talk about, but, um, or used to talk about. And because of COVID, I'll probably never be able to practice as a nurse again because I'm not taking that vaccine. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's a plan and that's supposed to happen, um, like the first third of next month. So, um, keep you apprised as to what's going on. And, uh, anyway. So let's let's get on with the show because I don't want to be on up late tonight, although I'm going to be. I don't want to be. Um, so going in the hospital is dangerous these days, as we were talking about earlier. Used to be you go in and, and think that, you know, you had a reasonably good chance of coming out alive. And then they started to find out that uh, you can get more diseases in a hospital than you can outside the hospital. So now they have all these protocols, you know, that, um, that they had before, but they're, they're even enforcing them stronger now. Um, if a person's got a cough, a lot of times people will gown up now where they didn't gown up before and, you know, the, the wear gloves and a mask. And this is before COVID. Uh, but you know, I, I remember when my dad went in, it was 1999 <clears throat> and he went and have a surgery. Well, they botched the surgery. So, um, they went in there to try to fix it and <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know how good they did because he died, but he had, he got uh, meningitis and passed away. And, uh, but while he was in there, he, he got something called VRE, which is vancomycin resistant, uh, enterococci, which is a bacteria infection in, in the intestines. And so you had to gown up and go to see him for, for a little while anyway, until it appeared that they got it under control. And then uh, one day I went in and his eye looked really weird and I asked the nurse, what's going on? Well, he's got herpes in his eye. And I'm like, well, how did that happen? And the nurses were really good to me. They were, you know, well, obviously somebody gave it to them that works here. Uh, oh, that's, that's really nice. You know, thank you. Um, and a bunch of different stuff just happened. And, uh, and, if you ever have to go to a hospital, don't go to a university hospital. Okay. If you, if you can avoid it, because what they do is, you know, you have one primary doctor, but he may, he might come in once a week to see your, whoever's in there. If you're in there, your relative, and 
then they have all these interns coming in. And so the intern that might be in there, in there in the morning is not in there in the afternoon. And it's definitely not there in the evening. So you got three different people looking at your loved one or, or you. And, and they're, they're constantly changing things and, and constantly. Like one time, because of the meningitis, you know, they told me that he, they thought he had meningitis. Well, they knew it. Uh, they didn't know what kind, though, and they thought it might have been viral. So then they, they tried uh, an antibiotic on him. That didn't do any good. And I went in there, and I said, you know, there are three kinds of, uh, at least three kinds of meningitis, and one of them's uh, fungal meningitis. Have you tried an antifungal? Try Diflucan. Well, I went in the next day. He's on Diflucan. And I'm like, wow, that's really good. And then I swear he started to look like he was better, getting better. Then I go in the next day and one of the interns went and took him off Diflucan and put him on, put him on something else. And I'm like, what the hell's the matter with you people? He was getting better. And then you do that, you know? And um, so anyway, they, they ended up killing him uh, ultimately. And uh, I remember uh, they sent me a, they sent me a card afterwards. One of those, how did, how did we do cards? You know, rate us, let us know how we did. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, cause, um, his autopsy, they wanted to autopsy them cause they really didn't know what, what happened to him. Well, they knew he had meningitis, but what the doctor told me, it was like, he was, um, uh, an all Alzheimer's in, um, on steroids or in hyperdrive. That's what he said. Alzheimer's in hyperdrive. <clears throat> and, uh, that was what the meningitis did to his brain. But anyway, um, and it's easier to talk about it now. It's been 22 years now since that happened. And uh, so it's a lot easier to talk about it. It used to really choke me up. Uh, so anyway, they did an autopsy. And they, you know, they, I never did get the uh, results of the brain uh, autopsy. Um, I got everything else. He was a pretty healthy guy when he died. <laughs> 69, 68 years old. You know, pretty healthy. Um, I don't know. So just, if you have to go to a hospital, try to avoid a university hospital. Although many people may speak highly of them. I have not had good experiences in them. I, um, I, I've gone to foundation hospitals like Kaiser. I've had a blessed time. At Kaiser Kaiser's really blessed me. Um, everything I've had wrong, they fixed, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to wait for months to, to go in and have it fixed. And it, it was just a really good experience. And I've always had a good experience with Kaiser. Like I said, others have complained about them. Um, either love Kaiser or you hate Kaiser. There's no middle road on it. But uh, <clears throat> like I said, they blessed me in, a, in a many, many ways. So um, anyway, let's, let's get on with this. I, and I said that earlier, but um, so let's look at the first video we're going to look at is um, well, it's kind of a, it kind of is there to prep us as to what's coming on and why these things are happening. Um, and I swear it's, it's by the same people that made the, uh, the QAnon, um, the big video they came out with about five years ago. That's the same voice and everything. And if they claim that that voice was John F. Kennedy Jr., you tell me. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, so I'm going to do this. Okay. There we go. I'm big. Article, I'm small, articles are big. Okay, I'm going to go to this. And I'm going to hit this and then make it large so that we can all see it. And then I'm going to try to remember to do that with all the videos, okay? I know sometimes I whoopsie and I, I don't do that. But um, anyway, I'll try my best to, uh, to do it tonight. Here we go. 
You can tell it's kind of old. <laughs> Oops. Stay first mistake. Antifa. I brought it right. I brought it right to the end because I watched it yesterday. Here we go. COVID nine one one. For you people that are listening and can't stop what you're doing. I'm about to show you something you already suspect deep inside but can't explain. The United States of America is currently in the midst of a war. Not the kind when one country attacks another with missiles or tanks. Not like warplanes dropping bombs on our Pacific fleet. Not like a hostile neighbor launching a surprise invasion across our borders. Instead, we face a cruel and merciless enemy who invented a whole new type of war. One that threatens us now more than all the bombs in the world. They are motivated by pure greed and inconceivable cruelty, and have been silently reversing all that is good for so long that we became lulled into a state of self-destructive compliance, while they tore us apart and robbed us blind. When patriots took back key branches of the U.S. government in 2016, the light was turned on to the vast corruption network that had infiltrated into the highest positions of power across every state. Only then did ordinary citizens begin to realize how close we had come to the end of it all. But first we must endure one last painful battle that will touch every citizen, no matter who they are. Right now the country is being torn apart by the biggest political hoax and coordinated mass media disinformation campaign in living history. You may know it as COVID-19. Let me tell you a story. In 2015, as directed by the globalist criminal corruption network known as the Deep State, President Barack Obama authorized millions in funding for the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the location now understood to be the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak. The research carried out here was to provide the agent for a global biological attack on a scale never before seen, one that would be timed for release within an election year, starting the very day unsubstantiated efforts to impeach President Trump fell apart. With their base of operations in the Democrat establishment, the Deep State Shadow Corporation embarked on a coordinated irregular warfare insurgency with multiple aims, all under the cover of a global pandemic they themselves manufactured for this purpose. Enabled by their owned and controlled corporate media monopoly, they instigated a heavy-handed and unjustifiable nationwide shutdown to reverse Trump's many economic and unemployment gains with Democrat-controlled states suffering the harshest restrictions in the country. Trump's energetic rallies were halted, hiding from view the surging nationwide passion for his galvanizing message, while Democratic presidential frontrunner Joe Biden was able to avoid interviews and debates where left-leaning voters would not be shown his obvious inability to govern, or the emerging Ukrainian bribery scandal that earned his family millions in illicit kickbacks by abusing his office. The next major advantage of the pandemic for the deep state was the case made to the public for mail-in voting, a highly insecure practice proven to be rampant with fraud, just as the public saw in one such example when a former Philadelphia judge pled guilty to stuffing ballot boxes after being paid by what he called a Democrat political consultant. With a rapidly rising death toll needed to make the case to the public for even harsher control, Normal influenza deaths for the year were recorded as COVID-19, artificially inflating the numbers. 
But this was only the beginning. When this did not yield enough fatalities, the Deep State initiated a murderous plan to defy federal guidelines and to move infected patients into nursing homes where the highest risk age group could be found in large numbers. The Deep State governors of New York, New Jersey, California, Pennsylvania, and Michigan oversaw what can only be described as a genocide of our elderly loved ones, even as the quickly constructed field hospitals and medically equipped Navy ships stood mostly empty. This horrendous act cost the lives of over 50,000 people, but gave the insurgency a death toll that would stoke the public fear needed to push ahead with their goals. In these dark times, when people had little else but the comfort of community and their faith, this too was forcibly halted when simply going to church was banned across the country under the guise of public safety. Depression and loneliness became the new epidemic, all designed to create the social conditions needed for what was to come next in their despotic plan to fracture the nation and hold on to power. Immediately upon reports of a flattening curve and a reduction in new cases, the mysterious murder of George Floyd hit the headlines. What was presented to the public as a routine instance of racially motivated police brutality turned out to be a strange and coincidental series of events involving two men who once knew each other working security in a nightclub. This event provided the justification for the next chapter in their coordinated insurgency against the United States. The goal was to inflame civil unrest along racial lines on an emotional platform of social justice. A divided house cannot stand, and the enemy knew this all too well. Black Lives Matter was funded and designed by the corrupt Democrat establishment as a social weapon to draw crowds of well-meaning protesters into harm's way, using them as human shields while they pushed a savage insurrection on city streets. This was intensified even further by folding in the violent paramilitary group Antifa, who were given a free pass by Democrat mayors and governors to loot stores, smash up small businesses, and assault innocent bystanders. The public was shown in explicit detail how Democrat leaders refused to protect local citizens, choosing instead to provide an open road for the anarchists to destabilize civil society, allowing the innocent to be indiscriminately injured and terrorized. Knowing that lawless chaos would accelerate their aims, they began calling for the elimination of police, while evicting the National Guard who were made available to protect the public against the worst of the violence. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser even called for the elimination of the White House fence, just days after a close call by rioters who attempted to breach the perimeter. And on June 22nd, Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff proposed a House bill to amend United States Code Title 18 that would prohibit the use of military force in the event of civil unrest, an obvious attempt to weaken the Commander-in-Chief's ability to defend the public from the planned insurrection, which was intended to play out over the weeks and months leading up to the election. Attorney General William Barr has appointed the U.S. Attorney in Connecticut to investigate... The pandemic was also providing cover of a different kind. Taking place behind the scenes at the Justice Department is a far-reaching investigation into the Obama administration's weaponization of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to spy on Trump and his associates during the transition of power. With evidence now emerging that Obama officials, including Joe Biden and Obama himself, colluded to frame General Michael Flynn, they used social distancing guidelines to halt grand juries and give witnesses the cover of health fears to avoid honoring court-ordered subpoenas. 
What you are witnessing is the dying breaths of a hidden enemy responsible for over a century of embedded corruption that has been slowly destroying our republic from the inside. They divided us along racial, gender, and political lines. They created reasons for us to go to war. They made international trade agreements that brought us no benefit, but allowed them to steal our vast wealth, driving us into a state of perpetual economic decay. They flooded our streets with deadly drugs to manufacture a devastating epidemic of addiction and mass incarceration. And they did it all with impunity while their completely controlled mainstream media assets kept us distracted and focused on everything else except our one true enemy. The 2020 U.S. elections are like none we have ever experienced. COVID-19 is being sold as a natural event, but we see now it is an attempt by enemies of humanity to hold on to power. After November, they stand to lose it all, but they will do everything to keep the crisis alive and the people in fear. To win, we must remember what made us strong so that true justice can finally return to what is and always will be the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history. May God bless America. Watching that video makes you just love Democrats, doesn't it? And liberals and communists and progressives, whatever name they go by. Anyway, I could go further on that, but I'm not going to. So anyway, so that that was kind of a primer for what we're going to look at tonight, because what we're going to look at tonight is um, the symptoms, the uh, of, of what's going on. Not all of them, of course, but quite a few of them. So let's um, let's progress. Let's just keep going here. <clears throat> and let's see, because I don't remember what order I put these in since I did this yesterday. So let's see here. Oh, okay. I guess I'm going to do a little reading. <clears throat> U.S. hospitals killing flu uh, and co- flu slash COVID patients. Let me just see how long this is. Okay, it's not that bad. When you got a voice, that's kind of strange. Okay, let's see. Let's give some credit here. Uh, the Stephen Lenman blog. Okay, this is where we're getting this from. And U.S. hospitals killing flu slash COVID patients. Uh, and that's a subtitle also. By Stephen Lenman <clears throat> at stephenlenman.org. <clears throat> Excuse me. U.S. hospitals can be haz- hazardous to the health instead of the other way around. Notably, ones followed by state-approved AMA-recommended flu-slash-COVID treatment protocol with harm, with har- yeah, harming in its mind. Hospitals are incentivized to artificially inflate numbers of flu-slash-COVID patients. Payments received for patients with viral symptoms who are treated with recommended drugs and placed on a ventilator receive threefold higher amounts than if safe and effective protocols were followed. According to Dr. Scott Jensen earlier, the AMA encourages physicians to overcount slash co- uh, flu slash COVID deaths, adding, 
Medicare determined that if you have a flu slash COVID admission to the hospital, you get $13,000. If that patient goes on a ventilator, you get 39,000, three times as much. <clears throat> no one can tell me after 35 years in the world of medicine that sometimes those kind of things impact on what we do. Yeah, okay, I read it right. Okay, co-author of the Great Barrington Declaration, Jay Patacharya, MD, expressed grave concern about the damaging physical and mental health impacts on the prevailing flu-slash-COVID policies, adding, Protocols followed by hospitals and many physicians risk greater excess mortality. They're polar opposites of what the polar health should be all about. Public health should be all about, excuse me. Founder of Doctors for Truth, Dr. Elke D. Clerk, uh, or Elka, it might be, <clears throat> earlier said, we now have, we now know that so-called COVID is a normal flu virus and should be treated accordingly. Ooh, there's a little truth right there. Okay. We also know that natural immunity, good health practices, along with known safe and effective protocols for treating viral illnesses, protects what's too important to lose best of all. We should know that hospitalization may be a life-threatening experience. Dr. Byron Artis uh, stressed that U.S. public health agencies knew about the adverse effects from recommended flu-slash-COVID protocols before endorsing their use. Along with toxic jabs, they include hazardous-to-health remdesivir, dexamethasone, and vancomycin. Used by hospital, U.S. hospitals, they are causing flu-slash-COVID deaths while known safe and effective protocols are shunned all too often. According to WorldNet Daily News, on August 19th, 74-year-old Peter Lopez was put on a ventilator at Memorial, excuse me, Memorial Hermann Sugarland Hospital near Houston for testing positive for, uh, after testing positive for flu slash COVID. The hospital refused to administer ivermectin in defiance of a court order, according to the family, an unacceptable statement saying, <clears throat> Physicians diagnose and treat patients consistent with the best medical practices. And he puts in there sick behind it, which is kind of like a, kind of like folks when we go, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <clears throat> and then the next one here, the pharmacy, the pharma controlled FDA has not authorized or approved ivermectin for the treatment or prevention of the flu slash COVID sick. Uh, data currently available does not demonstrate that ivermectin is safe or effective against the flu slash COVID infection. Sick. Or you just go, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh, Memorial Her Herman Sugarland Hospital killed uh, Pete Lopez for not treating him with FDA approved, known safe and effective ivermectin for viral illness. Many other U.S. hospitals likely follow the same health destroying policy by, as recommended by the AMA. Last spring, whistleblower nurse Erin Maria Oslewski exposed fraud, negligence, and greed at New York City's Elmhurst Hospital. Boy, do I remember that. Uh, causing avoidable deaths, she, causing avoidable deaths, she accused the facility of making Iraqi emergency rooms look like bait, like a lobby of the Ritz-Carlton compared to, by comparison, adding, the very first day at Elmhurst, I was shocked. I, it was something I'd never seen before. 
Patients were alone in their rooms on ventilators with no family allowed in for support and advocacy. People were just dying from gross negligence, medical malpractice, and mismanagement. That was really difficult to swallow. Everything made sense to me at that moment of why there were so many deaths in New York. There was no such, there is, was such mismanagement as, and we knew it. <clears throat> A lot of nurses and doctors, half of them looked away because of paycheck. The paychecks were good and the other half were scared to say anything. And if you did say anything, you ended up in my situation. I was fired for advocating for my patients. Folks, that's what nurses are supposed to do, advocate for the patients. I would like to see a federal investigation in Elmhurst Hospital and, nationwide, and nationwide, especially in the hardest hit areas. You don't see any private hospitals getting hard hit. What's, what is that? Some of what's going on, <clears throat> basic negligence, cleanup crews skipping certain rooms, residents wearing their PPE in a wrong way, um, patients getting pumped full of the wrong medications. A lot of it is straight up malpractice. I saw patients test negative for flu slash COVID only to be shuffled off to a floor for viral patients where they were sure to contact the illness, contract the illness. I saw residents write off a 30 year old man as do not resuscitate when his family had explicitly told us to try to save him at all costs. One of my favorite patients died 20 minutes after I left the room when a medical student botched a simple procedure. There you go, a medical student. And I said that about the university hospitals. Just as chilling, we were careless. Were the careless physicians who wrote patients off because they were going to die anyway? She was upset and angry for being prevented from helping flu slash COVID patients safely and effectively. She documented the above and much more in her book titled "Undercover Epicenter Nurse: How Fraud, Negligence, and Greed Led to Unnecessary Deaths at Elmhurst Hospital." She explained how the hospital, hospitals build insurers, Medicare and Medicaid, based on codes and procedures, stating, adding, sometimes they put down codes that were that are exaggerations or outright lies in order to get more money. That's called upcoding, and it's fraud. Put someone on a ventilator when they don't need, need it is just gross negligence. It's also, also upcoding that... Uh, Risk serious harm and health to health, including avoidable deaths. Yeah, including avoidable deaths. Um, documenting what she saw firsthand, she complied. She compiled a record of hospital staff mass murdering patients. I recorded just the complete and absolute disregard for human life. She stressed, "Medicine is supposed to be <clears throat> all about protecting and preserving health." After seasonal and flu slash influenza uh, was deceptively renamed COVID earlier last year with diabolical aims in mind. All too often, it's the other way around, especially when hospital hospitalized. Uh, he says, visit my website, stephenlenman.org. Uh, contact at Steve, uh, Stephen at sbcglobal.net. Um, he's got two Wall Street books. One of them is How Wall Street Fleeces America privatizing banking and government collusion and class war. There's a link here. Um, another book is banker occupation, uh, high, um, colon waging financial war on humanity. So, okay. So that's the first, that that's pretty, pretty well damning. I would say, um, you know, 
it's <laughs> all things taken into account. You know, that's uh, that's saying a lot. All right. So let's see. Let's go on to the next order of business here. <clears throat> this is on a website called Multidimensional Ocean. It says light messages and news channel. Um, I would not go to this for any other thing than this article, but they're the ones that posted it. Posted on August 17, 2021 by Multidimensional Ocean. Can you hear the little finger symbols going ding? Okay. This is Florida hospital caught trying to murder a COVID patient to boost death numbers. All right. And this, actually this article was taken from natural news on um, August 17th, 2021, uh, Florida hospital murder COVID patients boost deaths.html. Okay. All right. Just as many as it says natural news, just as many have warned it's taking place. The branch COVIDians are now actively trying to kill people so they can blame it on COVID and pad the official pandemic numbers. The latest incident occurred at a Sarasota Memorial Hospital, SMH, in Florida, where medical personnel were caught refusing to administer antibiotic drugs to a patient who contracted pneumonia in an effort to terminate his life. According to Dr. Stephen Gufanti, who was at who was admitted to SMH back in August and shared a room with the patient in question. Workers at the hospital refused to order the drugs. When Gufanti ordered, uh, offered to help the man get what he needed, the hospital put Gufanti in restraints as if he was a madman. This is the doctor, folks. <laughs> okay. This is the kind of reminds you of the Soviet Union, you know, drug you out of your mind so you can't say anything. Um, have you ever seen the movie High Anxiety <laughs> with Mel Brooks? It's a comedy, but you kind of, it's kind of got a lot of parallels here. Uh, this unbelievable story appears to be an effort by those in power to kill COVID, to COVID kill the middle-aged man by not providing him with antibiotics needed to kill pneumonia, reported the Gateway Pundit, TGP, about the disturbing incident. A video about it is available for viewing online. There's a link to it right here. Um, Gufanti uh, later learned that the man with pneumonia who needed the antibiotics was put on a ventilator instead. Oh, jeez. Ventilators, as you probably know, have not been working for, for Chinese virus and are known to kill many of the people whom they are placed. Gufanti placed in solitary confinement for trying to help a sick man. A medical doctor, teacher, tutor, and author who works as a preventative medicine physician in Sarasota Gufanti says he was placed in solitary confinement as a punishment for trying to help the sick man get the antibiotics he needed. Gufanti said he was removed from the room, put in a four-point restraint, and carted off to solitary confinement for four hours before signing out against medical advice. He later held a press conference at SMH to talk about what happened to him. It is apparent now a crime in America for a doctor to advocate for the health of others, when he's, when doing so, goes against the Wuhan coronavirus, COVID-19 plan narrative. The only safe and effective treatment for Chinese virus, according, um, at least according to the government <clears throat> and Big Pharma, are Chinese-made face masks. Um, and Donald, father of the vaccine, Trump's Operation Warp Speed injections. Anything else is considered a crime 
worthy of being restrained and placed in solitary confinement like a terrorist. Based on COVID hospitals and all healthcare settings at the moment, wrote one uh, commenter at TGP, it's very likely this is happening everywhere. Since the American medical uh, medicine, excuse me, since the American medical system refuses to acknowledge the benefits of hydrochloroquine, SACQ, ivermectin, zinc, green tea, pine needle tea, and the many other safe and effective and inexpensive remedies that exist for the Fauci flu, we would tend to agree with the commentator's sentiments. The NIH COVID treatment guidelines are behind all this, wrote another. Some doctors use these like the Bible. The NIH is out to kill people in more ways than one. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. No antibiotics in the treatment guidelines addressing the elevated white cells. Hmm. The bacterial pneumonias people are suffering as a result of wearing masks, commented another, speculating that the true cause between the latest wave of hospitalizations that are being reported. Uh, the, the proof of that comes from bodies exhumed after the Spanish flu. Those, auto, those autopsies prove that they did not die from the Spanish flu, but from the mass they wore. Fauci wrote a paper on it more than 10 years ago. Fauci has known all along masks would kill. Wow, that's indictable. The latest news about the Chinese virus, the insanity that sweeping American medical system can be found at pandemic.news. Okay, well, there you have it. I'll tell you, you can always count on natural news. I'm telling you, it's usually I didn't like sites like that, but I'm really liking this one now. Anyway, all right, let's go to the next one. Hospitals are literally suffocating patients with plastic bags. Air cargo will be halted this winter due to collapsing airport parts. Oh, I don't know. We're not going to go into that part of it, okay? Uh, if you look at a picture, there's a picture with somebody with a plastic bag over their head. I think that's just a prop. Then there's a picture of this patient who had a plastic bag placed over her head. So we'll, we'll get into that because that's one of the cruxes of um, of this whole night. Okay. So let's see. And yet another shocking development. And this is by Natural News. I should probably. It was uh, published Wednesday, October 13, 2021. And the writer was Mike Adams. And it was on Natural News. In yet another shocking development demonstrating the medical murder, that medical murder that now characterizes hospitals and doctors around the world, a hospital in Odessa, Texas has been caught placing large plastic bags over the heads of patients due to COVID. This is truly, this, this is the first thing they teach you in nursing school. <laughs> Don't do that. Okay. This is truly insane. Criminal practice has been reported, uh, has been carried out on hundreds of patients causing suffocation, anxiety, trauma, and heightened carbon dioxide levels in the respiratory air. The practice, seen in one photo in the podcast below, uh, appears to be the latest attempt to ratchet up the global milgram experiment where healthcare workers are being ordered by authority figures to carry out insane acts against fellow human beings, acts that may result in their injury or death. What most characterizes the Milgram, Milgram experiments is the fact that ordinary human beings were very easily compelled to literally murder other humans by electrocution if ordered to do so by someone in a position of apparent authority. Merely by being ordered to do so, 
study participants went along with the orders to kill even to kill even if they knew it was morally and ethically wrong and lawfully um under under the barbaric practices of covid treatment today's hospitals and medical centers have become murder factories uh, that systematically murder tens of thousands of americans with ventilators now the effect now the murder edict has done away with the medical devices altogether and resorted to plastic bags placed over the heads of patients like someone being stuffed snuffed out in a gangster film who needs expensive ventilator machines when the murder of patients can be so easily accomplished with a grocery store bag. Wow. Um, the shocking revelation is being completely blocked, blacked out by the complicit media, but this murderous practice is confirmed by Dr. Richard Bartlett as a well-known, as well as first person eyewitness whose family members were victimized by plastic bags, uh, plastic bag suffocation attempts. Uh, Owen Shorer from InfoWars broke the story yesterday. We include a clip from his coverage in today's podcast, which is not available here for some reason. During that interview, Owen hosted a Texas uh, resident, hosted a Texas resident whose relative was accused or assaulted by medical staff with a plastic bag over their head. Hear the full podcast below. Maybe it is here. Their podcasts usually go about an hour, so I don't know if we're going to do that. But you can come back and do it. Just go to Natural News and look for an article. This article uh, in August: Hospitals are literally suffocating patients with plastic bags. Um, and the second part of the article is: Air cargo will be halted this winter due to collapsing airplane part supply chain. Okay, all right. We got plenty of videos to listen to and watch. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, this is. Um, Related to it, this is talking about what the other article was talking about. We just read, but it goes into more um, more detail. It says attempted. This is natural news. Let's do this. Uh, it was published Wednesday, October 13, twenty twenty one, and the article was e- our article writer was Ethan Huff. Okay, and it's attempted murder. Texas hospital dehumanizes teenage COVID patient, puts equipment cover plastic bag over her head. Okay. Let me just check this. Okay, it's not a long article. I don't know why I'm worried about it. Okay, natural news. An emergency room in Odessa, Texas is under fire after it was caught trying to suffocate a patient who came there with breathing problems and a suspected Wuhan coronavirus infection. According to the reports, a 17-year-old girl was struggling to breathe upon entry to the facility. Since her required face mask was making things worse, the patient proceeded to take it off, only to have hospital staff force it back over her mouth and nose before proceeding to cover the upper half of her body in a gigantic plastic bag. Images shared by Odessa's Accountability Project, OAP, show, that the, show the girl seated in a wheelchair with an airtight bag over her body in what appears to be the lobby of the emergency room. You don't need to be a doctor to know the dangers of putting plastic bags over people's heads, especially if they are already suffering from breathing difficulties, reported Summit News about this shocking image. The OAP announcement uh, further noted that the bag itself clearly states on the front that it should not be placed over someone's head because it could cause suffocation. I guess they can't read in that hospital or 
administration doesn't care and they can't read either. Um, this is on top of the face. This is on top of a face mask that could be seen in a girl's face underneath the bag. The girl's mother said she complained of not being able to breathe well, taking off the mask, and it was asked to put it back on. The group announcement. The group announced ap- about the incident. Um, the bag was over her head for roughly 30 minutes, and she was instructed to save the bag for future use throughout the hospital. COVID dehumanization is part of the new hospital care. It's a care ritual. That's a uh, sub um, sub uh, <laughs> uh, another part of the article. Golly, folks, don't get old. It's not fun. Subtitle. That's what I meant to say. <clears throat> okay. Even though the uh, young girl was clearly suffering from an inability to breathe, heartless hospital staff at the Odessa facility punished her for taking off her mask by trying to murder her with a plastic bag. In other words, <clears throat> the girl was humiliated and dehumanized by staff at the death facility for merely waiting, wanting to breathe, just like George Floyd did <clears throat> while lying on the ground in Minneapolis. If that was my child or grandchild, I'd walk out. I'd walk her out of that hospital after telling them where to put that bag. Wrote one person in response to the chilling, horrific photo. <clears throat> I can't believe they did this to her. Wrote another. I don't believe in most medical lawsuits, but in this case, I would definitely be taking, talking to an attorney. Commented yet another. Uh, this type of behavior by arrogant medical workers, particularly in the South, has come to be expected ever since COVID hit especially when it comes to wearing a mask. These death cultists uh, with medical license believe that covering one's nose and mouth is the cure for the disease. Uh, Face masks are a new snake oil, in other words, as the quacks and charlatans that push push them back in their self-perceived superiority about the science, quotation marks, uh, behind blocking oxygen intake and health for health. In this case, they literally cut off all the patient's oxygen with industrial plastic bag to get their point across. Dr. Bartlett um, spoke to Alex Jones at InfoWars about the incident. You can watch the interview out from bright, uh, brighton.com below. Again, we won't do that. <clears throat> Not only, only suing the hospital will work, but they need to sue the individual nurse who put the bag over the patient's head, wrote the comment, wrote a commentator at Summit News. Uh, maybe losing losing her job will make her think about what she did in the future. <clears throat> Having spent time off the grid, the big thing you notice is how much of lemmings people are and worship authority, wrote another. Wuhan Corona COVID-19 tyranny is not about saving lives. It's about ending them. To learn more, visit fascism.news. Ooh, have to go there someday, sometime. Okay, so this this is the same girl, I think, that was in the last one, <clears throat> except they go into more detail about what happened to her. Man, in nursing school, anywhere, even my my daughter, you know, I'm not saying that she shouldn't know this, but even she knows that you don't put, you keep plastic away from little kids. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's common sense, you know, and some stupid nurse decides to put one over, well, I guess it was hospital policy, but, you know, Here's the deal. I was a nurse or I'm a nurse and I worked at the hospital. I didn't agree with the policies there, especially when it came to having wearing masks. Cause first of all, I know that masks don't do any good. 
And second of all, I have asthma and many times get bronchitis. And after having COVID, I have a hard time breathing. So they were insistent on me wearing a mask and then tried to get me to wear a N95 mask. I got a doctor's letter. So they said that I didn't have to wear an N95 mask. But the doctor also wrote that I shouldn't float to other units because being in contact with more people just increases your chance of, you know, it's, it's simple math. You're around 10 people. Your chances are one in 10 of getting it. If they, if anybody has it, you're around 30 people. There's 30 chances to get it. Okay. You're around a hundred people. There's a hundred people that can, that might have it and can give it to you. Okay. So. Anyway, they, they found that I, they determined that I, I should be floated and, and everything else. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting sick again and I'm not dying for this place. So I knew that I was able to retire and that's what I did. I'm not getting a lot of money for my retirement, hardly anything, but I'm not dying. I'm not sick and I'm not working under an oppressive regime, which is what that place was. Oregon State Hospital in Salem, Oregon. It's a repressive regime, a regime that, um, and, and, I don't know. It's just like everything else these days. It's run by a group of idiots. So anyway, um, let us move on to the next article. Oh, actually, we're going to a video. <clears throat> and this is, I guess, is going to be the last thing we see. Um, we've all heard about young people getting endocard, not endocarditis, pericarditis and um and cardiovascular um, infection, uh, myocarditis, um, from from getting a stupid injection. And it's not an isolated thing. It's been happening to a lot of them, although the CDC would want you to think it's an isolated thing. Okay. Well, it's not only affecting, you know, um, teenagers. Well, it is affecting teenagers and and, um, 20-somethings and 30-somethings, and that's the age group that, is suffering from these two different ailments due to this vaccine. But um, it's also affecting uh, early teens too. And uh, I read an article and I couldn't find anything that I could use, Uh, but there was um, a boy in Chicago, he was 13 years old and he got the vaccine. And um, I think it was three days later, he died in his sleep. Okay, and he died from cardiac problems. Okay. Now, 13-year-olds do not have cardiac problems for the most part. <clears throat> okay. Usually, if a 13-year-old has cardiac problems, that person was born with a, with a cardiac problem. And, you know, for the most part, it's known that they had that cardiac problem. Uh, for for instance, my, my first wife was born with, um, she had a hole in her heart when she was born, and she also had... Um, the plumbing wasn't quite right on her heart. Uh, thankfully, her father had enough money. He worked for Petroleum Mexico as an engineer. So, you know, he was well-respected, brought her up to Texas. And this was back in <clears throat> um, the late 1960s. And the doctor performed a brand new procedure where he rerouted her plumbing. And she lived. She, you know, <clears throat> she was supposed to die at five. And then they said, oh, you made it to five. Well, you probably won't make it to seven. And you don't tell a kid something like that. But she was told that. <clears throat> and then she was told, well, you probably won't make it to 17. And well, she lived to be 47 years old. And it wasn't her heart that killed her. She had meningitis. Um, she had a um, an abscess in her brain that had burst. Um, 
in December of uh, 2010 and uh, went to be with the Lord about six days afterwards. <clears throat> anyway, um, I don't like to talk about that too much. It bothers me. But um, so anyway, cardiac problems in young people is very rare. And uh, so anyway, that was the one person I told you about. And then we're going to go to this other one. And um, I want to see, because there's a certain video I want to watch. And uh, first of all, uh, his name was um, Weaverton Silva. And there he is right there. Okay, I guess you can't see my cursor. Oh, yeah, you can. Okay. Uh, right there. And I guess that's his identification card with the Republic of um, Brazil. And his little fingerprint. And uh, it looks fairly healthy. Very, very healthy young man. And uh, there's his name right there. Everton, I don't know what the middle name is. And uh, it probably is... Uh, Let's see, in Spanish culture, I don't know if it's in Portuguese culture because Brazil is Portuguese, but uh, in Spanish culture, the first last name is the father's and the last last name is the mother's maiden name. So his mother's name was probably, last name was probably Silver, her maiden name, and um, then the father's last name is um, whatever that is right there, his uh, surname. So anyway, there he is. And there he is again. Cute looking kid, huh? Handsome little boy. Well, 13 year old boy, handsome teenager. He died 17 days after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. <clears throat> um, he got a shot on August 25th and, um, I guess I would have brought it in, uh, close to right now. Um, anyway, now, if you're kind of squeamish, I'm a nurse, so I'm used to this kind of stuff, okay? But um, this, this video is going to be of this boy collapsing, and um, and I'm trying to revive him. And you're going to notice that the pallor in his face, he's, he's very pale. And if you watch his hands, his hands are – he, he's almost out of life um, in this video, and he did lose his life um, probably during this video. And uh, it's sad because he's looks like he was a healthy young man, full of life, and then uh, he gets this stupid vaccine. So Bill Gates and uh, Anthony Fauci and all you people that helped to develop this vaccine, I hope you're healthy. And you're going to be guilty for the death of this boy um, at the end of all things. And um, not just him, but millions, if not billions of people. So I hope you're happy and I hope you're making a lot of money. But your happiness is going to go away and you can't take the money with you. So um, myself, I'm more concerned with what's going to happen after I die uh, than what's happening right now, you know, in my life. And I'd rather, you know, live in uh, the condition we're in now, you know, in this life than, than to be uh, vastly wealthy and rich and, and everything else. And, uh, and to know that in my next life, I'm going to be, um, compensated by Yahweh for, for the life that we had to live here. So I'm going to go ahead and start this, okay? Look at his hands. He's lifeless almost.
And of course, people are very concerned about it, freaking out. They're going to start CPR now. It should be 30 pumps to two breaths. One, two, three, four. Nineteen progressions. Look at his face. His face is white. He's getting no blood up there. certainly a chaotic scene um, and a very sad scene you know to imagine if that was your son <clears throat> that was your boy and um, you know I don't know if the, the uh, vaccine was mandatory for the young man because he's in another country and another culture so maybe it was I don't know but <clears throat> it's um it's a dang shame. It really is. And like I said earlier, Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, and all you guys, oh, boy, you really screwed up. And when you die, <laughs> it's the down elevator, boys. So I know you don't believe that. You're probably atheist or you're into Hinduism or whatever. And if you're into Hinduism, that's even worse because – what you're doing in this life, according to that scriptures, um, which, you know, we don't believe, but um, you're, uh, you're toast. Because if, if there was a second life that you would live um, back on earth here, um, you'd be probably a fly that dies on cow dung or something like that. And even that would be too good for you. So... I'm calling out murder on those guys and on everybody that's promoting this vaccine, especially for children. <clears throat> so uh, rest in peace, little Weaverton. Um, I think that you probably just went right to heaven after that. Um, you're right at the age of accountability. You might've been just before. And if so, you had a ticket right to heaven. So um, be blessed. And uh, we, we keep his family in prayer. And the family of all young people and everybody, for that matter, that, that is being put to death by this vaccine. And uh, oh, we got two people in the chat room. Okay. I'll tell you. 
Basilis Ballistica. Uh, one of our people that's watching right now is a moron. Uh, uh, whatever. This is why I don't open, I open up the chat when I'm doing the show by myself. Uh, it's just not worth it. So anyway, um, folks, uh, there you have it. The uh, medical industry is, is, um, is out to kill us. It is. If, the, if the shot doesn't kill us, they're going to kill us. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's really weird because my wife and I, and believe me, I don't necessarily believe that the Medela effect is a true thing, but, um, there was a point in our history. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think it, it was right around 20, well, right around 9-11, uh, 2001, because our whole reality changed after that. You know, things started to get progressively worse. The libtards were starting to get more vocal. They were starting to get into some, some weird stuff. Pardon my hands. I was out working today, and I have to go wash up before I go to bed. But um, so... Yeah, things changed in, in 2001, at least in this country anyway, but I think around the world too. And uh, so much so that we elected a Muslim into the White House in 2007, and he took over in 2008. Um, and he, he was in there for eight years because our, our society was so stupid, or I should say the libtards were, um, for keep voting him in. But um, now he got eight years, you know, and... Um, that's a shame. And then things started getting really weird because, um, cause, uh, Trump got in and that's not what got weird. It's just that, uh, you know, a guy that stands for everything that every president stood for in the fifties and maybe the early sixties. Well, I don't know. I'd be counting Johnson. I don't like him, but, um, <clears throat> and everything that they stood for society is against now. It's so much so that if Kennedy was alive right now, he'd probably be an ultra conservative or people would think he was. And, uh, well, it's kind of like the church too, because the church, there, there's a saying that if Jesus came back today, he would be accused of not being like Jesus. Okay. So I'll take that for what it's worth. Um, but, um, anyway, it's just, we live in a freaky society anymore. We really do. We're, you know, people like the guys in this chat room, um, can, you know, hey, they've got a right to say what they want to say, right? But, uh, you know, when you don't know somebody and you start criticizing them, um, you know, that's 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 wrong right there. And, oh, well, I guess that's what we should expect from uh, when you give morons a keyboard. But, uh, or, or even worse, when you, you give them any kind of format where they can come out and start talking. But... Um, well, folks, I'm going to kind of put an end to it here because I got to kill this chat room. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I was going to say something that probably wasn't nice. So I'll just kind of keep it to myself. Plus, I want to get this uploaded at least uh, to to another format. So, folks, um, thanks for hearing me out. Thanks for, for watching these videos and, and reading these articles with me and, and for seeing all the... Um, and for seeing all the things that are going on. And uh, if you think that things are where they, they are and they're not normal and uh, whether we'll ever get back to normal, <clears throat> the old normal, um, 
who knows? Uh, so I'll leave it at that. But um, anyway, folks, be blessed and uh, continue to trust in Yahweh. Continue to trust in Yeshua. And oh, I must have really got things going on the chat room. Now there's five people in there. I guess, I don't know. I don't want to say what I was going to say. I don't want to insult anybody that might be in there. I'm not, not going in there, so they, they can talk amongst themselves. Um, but um, it's important to get this show on. So, folks, be blessed. Um, like I always say at the end of every show, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May he watch your going out, your coming in, your rising up, and your lying down. May he bring you peace. In Yeshua's holy name, amen and amen. Um, see you Monday for sure, uh, me and Brian, and probably before that too, I'll be posting another show. So um, thanks again. Thanks for being a great audience, you know, aside from the chat room people. Uh, but they're not audience of mine anyway. They're just people on um, another format that we happen to live broadcast on. So, hey, uh, be blessed, everybody, and uh, talk to you soon, and uh, talk again soon in Yeshua's name. Bye.